I have been waiting for an entire year to say, happy fall, (laughs) y'all. It's so funny being someone from Orlando, Florida, and then living in the South in North Carolina where people say y'all. And so happy fall, (laughs) y'all. I am saying that as I sip my hot chai tea latte and it is so cool and crisp outside. And I'm just so thankful for this job I have where I get to be at home while my kids are at school recording this podcast. We recently celebrated 100,000 downloads to the podcast, and that's each of you. So thank you so much. Continue to share, continue to write in, and please tag at Birth Story Podcast. Today, I am talking with Andrea from Barcelona, and she is a doula. She had a beautiful unmedicated birth center birth, but she's really passionate about partner tips and involving partners, so much so that she has a birth course on it, and she teaches internationally, virtually. So I can't wait for you to hear her birth story, how she received maternity care in four different continents and countries, and how she gave birth in Switzerland at a birth center, and the doula work that she's doing in Barcelona. Thanks for being here today. Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Andrea, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast all the way from Barcelona, Spain. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. I am excited to have you. Can you tell everyone why you reached out and what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. I love your birth stories and I really wanted to share my own birth story as well. I have never done it so far, so I would love to share my birth story. I am so excited. And then I know that you are very passionate um, in the doula world about some certain things. So will you tell everyone kind of about your doula business and what your passions are specifically where you work? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a doula here in Barcelona and I support people here in Barcelona private, but I'm also doing everything online. And I love that because I can work with totally like different nationalities from all over the world, what I absolutely love. 
And I do that private and also in group classes. And there I am specifically focusing on the role of the birth partner. Okay. And is everything virtual because of the pandemic or just the way you've modeled your business? A very good question. Yeah, absolutely. It started with the pandemic and it happened to be wonderful that I meet people from all over the world and people contacting me from Australia and everywhere. So I love it. I love it too. Okay, so let's start there. Where can we find you? Uh, so we, you can find me on the birthprepcourse.com. This mm-hmm. is my website. Okay. And also on Instagram, this is my name, Andrea Househair. Okay, and I'm going to spell that for everyone, which is A-N-D-R-E-A-H-A-U-S-H-E-E-R on Instagram. Exactly. So com. Okay. That's really good. I'll put everything in the show notes. So if anyone's driving and they can't write that down, they can go back to the show notes and look for that link. And now before we get into your birth story, I just have specific questions about being a doula in Spain because I'm a doula in the United States. So how did you become a doula? Like what got you interested in being a doula? It actually started, I would say, three years ago when I was pregnant myself. And I just had such a genuine interest in everything that happens to you in your body and with the baby that I actually, I just used myself a bit as a guinea pig. (laughs) I finished the course a month before I gave birth. And it was an amazing experience to use myself as a guinea pig and to really um, experience that. Yeah. So Andrea, were you planning to birth alone or do you have a partner? Like what is your relationship in pregnancy? What did that look like? I have a partner. He's from the US. Okay. And he was sitting down with me one evening and was like, look, honey, I have to be very honest. I'm not sure if I'm going to be there at birth. And I was pretty shocked and the hormones didn't help. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then we decided, look, let's get together with Fidula. We were living in New York at the time. And let's spend an afternoon with Fidula and then we make a decision. Okay. And yeah, that's what we did. So tell me more about that. Was he just afraid or was it his travel schedule or something else that was going to prohibit him from potentially being at the birth? He he was afraid. Okay. He felt also pretty stupid, to be honest. He was like, I'm just going to be standing there. I see you in pain. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know if I like that. Isn't that heartbreaking? Mm. I mean, when I do my private childbirth education with my private doula clients, We have a whole section on partner tips. So I'm really excited to hear how this evolved for you. So you're in New York. You hire a doula. Let's just dig into the birth story then. How how had your pregnancy gone prior to that? You mean before we met the doula or? Before you met the doula, yeah. Just did you have a pretty good pregnancy? I had a pretty good pregnancy. I was super happy and healthy and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I would love to have the experience again, to be honest. (laughs) So loved being pregnant. Yeah. Had you conceived naturally or through fertility treatments? No, absolutely naturally. And I think that was also part of him being a bit afraid and also maybe in a shock. 
we said, okay, we're trying. And I was already at the time 38. Okay. So I told him, listen, buddy, I mean, it has to be now. We cannot wait another three years. And then I got pregnant within the first three weeks. Congratulations. That was really lucky. Yeah. yeah really but- lucky or supposed to be. I don't know how you want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be just as startling or scary to get pregnant on the first try as it can be to try for a year. I mean, it's, I don't think when it happens, a lot of times anyone's ever fully ready for what that journey or experience Mm -hmm. is like. Um, So your pregnancy is wonderful and you have this difficult conversation with your partner about him just not feeling like he had the tools to be able to appropriately support you. And I I feel that, I understand that. I think everyone listening to Mm -hmm. wants to know how to have their partners help them and what role of involvement they want to have to begin with. And so you meet with this doula. Tell me about how that went. I, I call her an angel. She was an absolute angel because she changed his whole point of view. <laughs> and she was really, really smart about it. She was not pushy. She just gave him the option that there is a role and to see that role. And now it's up to him if he wants to jump on, on that, like to take on that role or not. And he came to me after she left. We spent four hours with her. And he was like, you know what, Andrea, I understand that there is a role for me. And if you, if you're up for it, we do this together. Okay. Now, were you planning to birth at the hospital, home, or a birth center? I gave birth in a birth center in Switzerland. Okay. You guys are all over the place. So you're pregnant (laughs) in New York. You're currently in Barcelona three years later, and you're going to a birth center in Switzerland, you got to explain this to me. What do you do for a living that makes you be able to flitter around to three countries in three years? Yeah, that's right. I, I used to work for a private airline as an air hostess okay. and was living wherever I like to live yeah. and for a long time in New York and met my partner. And then when I got pregnant, we decided to move back to Europe. And since then, we're living in Barcelona. Okay, excellent. So you're going to this birth center in Switzerland. Assumably, you're working with midwives? Yes, okay. that's correct. And did you hire a doula or were you looking to lean on your experiences from your own doula training course that you had taken? No, I didn't hire a doula, Okay, but I would change that the next time. Definitely for everybody that is listening, <laughs> get the doula. <laughs> I hope that everyone is listening has listened to at least my birth stories, which I think are episodes one and 42 or something. And everyone will hear, I did not hire a doula on my first mm-hmm. birth because I was a doula and I was like, I got this. And that, yeah. like, that's not a thing. You, you don't got this. You need someone else to help love and support yeah. you and take care of you. Maybe a doula, maybe a really good partner maybe a sister, best friend, grandma, something, you know, like that too, or all of the above to come help Mm -hmm. you. So tell me about midwifery care in Switzerland. What does that look like? It's really laid back, super laid back. They're also working with the hospital, like that in case that something happens that you can go to the hospital, a hospital which is close by. But they're really, really, really laid back. And that's what I liked. 
and you know they're they're not asking you to do tons of ultrasounds or to get all the time checked they're like asking you more about how do you feel how would what is your own opinion you know and this is the most important because sometimes doctors they can't give you all the answers you as a mother you have to give yourself an answer and if that is that you're feeling unsure then trust that feeling yeah did you have to go weekly at the end like did you check in every week or was that laid back approach like you didn't have to come maybe as often to your appointments the thing was also that i was still flying when okay. i was pregnant mm-hmm. i told you that and i was pretty much all over the place so I was going to doctor appointments in South Africa. I was going to doctor appointments in the US. I was going to doctor appointments in Barcelona and then to see the midwives in Switzerland. And so I didn't have a regular routine check. I was really where I was. I went to have my scans, my 20-week scans and so on, which is also was very, very stressful. It sounds also sort of wonderful, though, (laughs) to be traveling all the way. Around when did you stop flying? I stopped flying when I was four and a half months pregnant. Then they don't allow you to fly anymore. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay, that makes me feel good then too. So everything's perfect. Your scans look good. You're healthy. So prior to when you quit flying and you are going to, you know, I mean, this is multiple, this isn't true international pregnancy, right? (laughs) multiple countries, multiple continents, and all sorts of different care, assuming lots of opinions also. So can you just share a little bit about what that experience was like to be seeing not having continuity of care? Absolutely. I I think it's very important that you have a doctor you really trust. And if that's not the case, that you change your doctor, that you look for another doctor And I can give you an example here. This has also to do what I always recommend as a doula. Get a second opinion. Please get a second or a third opinion because I had a doctor here in Spain and Barcelona as well because we wanted to move to Spain. So we were at times also here in Spain and then I had to go to see the doctor here in Spain. She did an ultrasound and she was like, Andrea, your baby is going to be really big. You need to have a plan C section. I left the doctor's office very puzzled. And then the week after, I was in Switzerland again. And I met the midwives and I wanted to have a second opinion. And she measured my belly and touched my belly. And then she was like, yes, Andrea, you're going to have a big baby. But do you think you're able to do that? And I was like, yes, yes, I know I am. I am. And then she was like, you know, I have seen the smallest women giving birth to huge babies and our bodies are made for this. Mm -hmm. And this was such a game changer. If I would have listened to that first doctor, I would have had a C-section. I am so glad that you mentioned this because, I mean, I'm five foot three and I had a 10 and a half pound baby at 43 43 weeks gestation. (laughs) So, I mean, yes, you're, you know, I'm not a, a giant person over here, you know, and I was able to, I mean, pretty easily give birth to a 10 and a half pound baby. And then my second one was nine pounds also. And I had the same type of care that you had in Switzerland, right? Like I had a group of midwives that never once 
they didn't even really bring up the weight, you know, they just empowered me. You can do this. And if there's ever a need to pivot, we have tools. There's an operating room always available and hopefully we don't ever have to use it. It was very empowering. But this happened so much, Andrea, as you know, like with everything, like clients who have a cesarean section and then would like to have a vaginal birth. And I always say, you are interviewing your midwife or obstetrician as much as they are interviewing you to make sure it's like dating, to make sure that your philosophies are aligned with different things and that you have providers that are supportive of, not tolerant of your Mm -hmm. choices. So there's very different, it's very different to say, oh, I'm tolerant of a same-sex couple versus I'm supportive of. I'm tolerant of VBACs or mm-hmm. I'm a cheerleader for VBACs and empowering women to try to have a vaginal birth. It's so different. And, and in your case, your providers in Switzerland, your midwives to say, like, I believe in you, Andrea. I believe in you mm-hmm. and that you can do it. And that she is asking you, do you believe in yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's so wonderful. I can't wait till we get to the end of your birth story to know how big your baby was. Don't tell, don't tell <laughs> us yet. I'm like, I'm so interested to see how that came out. Did anything else happen while you were rotating providers that was contradictory or just the size? Yeah, another one was in South Africa where I had a, an ultrasound, a 20-week ultrasound. And then there was too much water. Okay. And then they were like, okay, it could be trisonomy 21 and you want to do all the tests. And it was so cold. Everything was so cold. And I was like, I mean, before I do all the tests, can I talk to someone? And it was like, no, we're not really having time. Um, You can just tell us uh, if you want to do all the tests or not. So, and with all the hormones, I'm, I'm just saying it again, women have such a hard time sometimes. And if I wouldn't have had all those doctor appointments, what's, what sounds weird now, what I'm saying, I would have had the perfect pregnancy yeah. and you need them, but sometimes they can make you feel just really, really bad and yeah, sad. Absolutely. The Dr. Thorpe, who I, the director of obstetrics from Chapel Hill, who I wrote my book with, he told me one time we were having lunch and he said, Heidi, when we go looking for things, we find things. So mm-hmm. we should just go looking for things a little less. <laughs> so, Absolutely. and I really just kind of, I believe that, you know, here in the United States, they want to do an ultrasound on all of my clients at 40 weeks gestation, even though the average gestation for first time mom is 41 and one, and the average gestation for second or multiples is about 40 in a few days. So I'm like, why are we doing an ultrasound <laughs> on every mm-hmm. single mom at 40 weeks? Again, if we go looking for something, we're going to go finding things that are may not that may have no significance at all. So some of those are medically necessary, you know, but most the far majority are just of these testing is just causes so much anxiety. And yeah, and that's also maybe I mean it's bad to say, but maybe sometimes it's also a bit the business, right? It costs a lot of money to do all those tests and so on. Yeah, there's a procedure code, a diagnostic code, a CPT mm-hmm. code that all get billed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
to make money. And every now and then, one of those tests will save a life. And Mm -hmm. the vast majority of the time, it just generates revenue. But that's a hard place. Like, I understand it, right? Like, if we do 100 ultrasounds and we save one baby, was it worth it to do the other 99? I don't know. Ethically, I ask that question all the time. That one Mm -hmm. parent whose baby survived would probably say, yeah, (laughs) keep doing all of them. I think it's the approach, though, in which the healthcare providers around the world present it. So Mm -hmm. like you were presented it differently in Barcelona, big baby cesarean section versus the way it was presented to you. Probably big baby. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Do you want to, do you believe in yourself? So I think presentation is, is so important and birth worker care. So from Andrea, the two of us as doulas, all the way to every obstetrician and midwife too. Anything else come up in all of those appointments that startled you? I think that's pretty much it. Okay. But isn't that fascinating, everyone? And I really want everyone to just have Andrea's point soak in. If you are seeing a provider that makes you feel like they're tolerating you and they're not your biggest fan, your cheerleader, your friend, your supporter, treat your pregnancy like you would your business. You're never going to take the first vendor, the first contractor, you know, shop it around, interview lots of people. You don't marry the first person you go on a date with usually, (laughs) you know, try a couple of people out and see who is the best fit, you know, sometimes once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. Of pregnancy. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Andrea. Can we go into your birth story now? Absolutely. I'm yeah. I'm so <laughs> excited. Okay. So the number one question that I get from the podcast and in my doula business is, Heidi, I don't know how to tell him if I'm in labor. I'm feeling something. I don't know what it is. So could you tell us a little bit about how you knew you were in labor? Like what that felt like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the night before we had friends over, I remember really well, because that's the first recommendation I give to everybody out there who is listening. We had a wonderful evening. We played music. We're musicians, my partner and I. And I went to bed, unfortunately, at one o'clock in the morning. And then guess what happened at five o'clock? <laughs> After four hours of sleep, I had a first contraction. It felt like a contraction because you before you never know how it feels, right? So it was like a little cramp. I went to the toilet. I walked around and then 10 minutes later, it started again. I was like, okay, I think that could be it. So what did you do? Did you wake up your partner? Yeah, I woke up my partner immediately and his answer was like, come back to bed and try to sleep. (laughs) Of course, uh, which didn't work for me at all. I was so excited. I was so nervous as well. So what we did, we we called the midwives and we're like, look, I think it started. It's very irregular still, but it started. And then they listened to me a bit. They were like, you know what, Andrea, come in seven hours. Okay. That sounds about right. 
Yeah. Uh, when we started recording this podcast, Andrea, the first thing I told Andrea, you guys, is I currently have a client in, whose water broke 14 hours ago, mm-hmm. but she hasn't had any contractions yet. So, I, you know, it's like, well, call me when you uh, start having some contractions. She was going to triage to get just kind of have the baby monitored for a minute. But it's a slow build a lot of the time. Sometimes we have very fast, precipitous labors that are three hours and they're all very exciting. That's why we talk about the babies that are born on the side of the road, you know, but usually (laughs) it's a little bit of a slow build. So I love that the midwife said check in in seven hours, you know, that's a good amount of time to rest, walk. So what did you do for those seven hours? So, yeah, we both got up. We had a nice breakfast. Then we went back to bed and we had sex. Good. (laughs) Bravo. That semen is really good to progress labor, oxytocin with orgasms, all that. That's wonderful. Okay. So you did all the right things, even without having a doula. You knew you took the class. Mm -hmm. And then we, I went for a shower. I washed my hair. I just really did everything I wanted to, you know, what I felt like. And I tried also not to concentrate too much on the contractions yet. Yeah. Because I always hear they're going to get so intense that you will have to concentrate on them. (laughs) So try to distract yourself a bit, you know, do other things in the house, uh, in the apartment where we were at the time. And then um, we went over to techniques. We practiced techniques together for a physiological birth, as you say, like without any painkillers. And we, we checked if they're working and they worked. Uh, it was really good. And then we started watching a movie and uh, yeah, quite some time passed by then. And then I remember that in the movie, I don't remember the name of the movie, but in the movie, a woman was giving birth and she was screaming. She was screaming so loud. And I was like, oh my God, this is way too much. <laughs> too much. And you know, you'll, you know this as a doula now, Andrea. Very few women scream. Some do. Some do because it feels good to scream. Mm -hmm. But most, it's very low, primal, guttural, you know, huh, wah, you know, it's very rarely, ah, you know, Mm -hmm. those high-pitched screams because those high-pitched screams hold everything in and those low tones open everything up. So I just... I'm irritated with our the media. So absolutely, maybe someone yeah. will listen to this podcast sometime who's a movie producer and portray <laughs> birth what it really actually looks like. That's so funny. I watched movies in early labor too, so you don't remember at all what movie it was. No, it was like a a prince from Africa who was falling in love with a woman in England many, many years ago, and they wouldn't accept her as a white woman in Africa. And he was really a prince uh, in Africa, uh-huh. and he wanted to marry her and they had a child together, but she, for a long time, didn't get accepted in, in his country. Yeah, We may have to look on IMDb and find it. <laughs> so yes. if anyone's listening and you know what movie this is, will you DM us <laughs> so, yes, so we can find out because I don't know which one it is either. Now, one of the critical parts that you had said about your birth and meeting with that doula was that in New York is that it empowered your partner to want to be involved and play a role. So mm-hmm. while you're watching movies, you mentioned we were doing the techniques. 
What mm-hmm. types of things was your partner doing to, that helped you? It was um, breathing, um, counting me through the contraction. Okay. It's called counting me through the contraction. And it's really that he listens to my breathing. He makes sure I'm breathing like heavily, slowly, putting tons of oxygen, oxygen in, in my uterus muscles and counting me through. And I was pretty much all the time from the birth center on just listening to his voice. And he couldn't leave my side, not even to go to the toilet and just touching me, you know, motivating me to keep the oxytocin, the love hormone flowing. It sounds very wonderful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at what point, so seven hours, I'm assuming, did go by, right? Yes. And then did you call the midwives or did they call you? No, we just left home then. And, um, and went to the birth center. Went to the birth center with the car. That was only a 20-minute ride, but okay. very unpleasant, I have to say. You can't really relax in the car. We listened to the radio and there was 18th of July, 2008. Nelson Mandela would have turned 100 years. So I was like, okay, that sounds like a good day to give birth. Let's see. (laughs) And uh, we arrived there at the parking lot in Stanz. That's the little village uh, called Stanz. And it's a very famous place for um, tourists to go up a mountain called Stanz at Horn. And I just remember that there were at least 60 people, like all tourists, standing in line to get a ticket to go up the gondola, to up this mountain. And everybody looked at me already because a whale came <laughs> running, right? <laughs> I was pretty much like, look like a whale. And I was like, in my head, I was like, you're not going to have a contraction. You're not going to have a contraction. And guess what happened? I had a contraction. And pretty much in the middle of all the people and everybody was looking at me. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like you're in a zoo, you know? Yeah. At this point, seven hours later, what did your contractions look like and feel like? How close were they? And how would you describe what it felt like to have one? I remember that they were very intense. Also, that I felt like I have to throw up, that, you know, my body is really reacting to it. And the midwives, they examined me and they were like, oh, you're only two centimeters, right? That's what we always love to hear. And they were like, oh, maybe you can go home again or you can go for another walk. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to go for a walk. And I'm definitely not going to drive again home. So I felt that my body really gives me signs that this is intense. And also the contractions by then, they came already every four minutes. Yeah. So very close, one after the other. And I was like, to be honest, I was there. I was like, oh my God, Andrea, why did you decide to do this? Why didn't you go to a hospital? (laughs) Oh, it's so hard. I can remember going back. I also got to the hospital at two centimeters dilated and they said to walk the hallways or to go home. And I just cried and cried Mm because I thought I was so much further along than I Mm -hmm. was. But I then I had to remember, okay, Heidi, it usually takes about 24 hours and the contractions will get to be about two minutes apart. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just so hard. So what did you do? 
I just really, I really needed my partner, really needed my partner to motivate me and to tell me, hey, you've got this and I know you've got this. And this was so important. It's so important that we trained this as well. This is another thing. If you go through this with your partner and a doula or only a doula, you have to train a bit, especially when it's your partner, because he's not a professional. He's not like a doula who knows exactly what to do and, and what to say. But once you train, it's like a trigger that goes off if you have trained enough. And I always compare it like if you want to have a six pack, it's not going to work if you do it one or two times, right? You really have to train for it as well. The same with, with giving birth, especially if you wish to have physiological birth, you have to train for it. So that really, really helped me. I think that was saving me those techniques. Yeah, it absolutely is. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. Now, which course did you take? It was with the midwife, the angel, I called her angel from, from New York. And she um, presented me different techniques. And I chose one of the techniques that I felt really suits me. And I think I can handle that. Perfect. So you received private partner tip and childbirth education through a doula. Okay. That's yep. really important because there are some beautiful online courses. And I know you have one now that we mm-hmm. had just talked about. But it is really important that you take a course, you hire a doula, but yeah, you train. So mm-hmm. so you were ready for it. So what did the next couple of hours look like? Yeah, they were intense, I have to say. They were very intense. I fell asleep very often during the contraction breaks. My partner was smart enough to wake me up before the next contraction started that I wasn't getting overwhelmed. This is also very important. And we kept working and working and working. And also what was amazing that the midwives observed us and they were like, you've got this, we're leaving. And they gave us tons of privacy. And we were for hours alone, alone in this birth center room and just, you know, held each other, went again and again over to techniques and had this really, really private experience. And then after a long time, and I, I remember I, I tried out all those positions. I, you know, oh, I could go in this position and this and this before my labor started. And when I had the contractions, I just wanted to be in the sideline position. <laughs> I couldn't barely move. Yeah, but that's your baby's position too. So that's, mm-hmm. I, you, we don't know until you're in labor 
really what position your baby's in and your body is a teacher and your body Mm -hmm. will show you what position that feels good that your baby needs in order to rotate. And for Mm -hmm. you, that was sideline. And Mm -hmm. it was not, was it, I'm assuming it was one side more than the other too. Yeah. I think it was more the right side. Yeah. More the right side. Yep. And that helps, helps the head rotate and come down too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how beautiful. Did they do any cervical exams after that first one? No, never again. Never again. They asked me then after, I think after, from arriving to the birth center until Arlo, our son was born, it was exactly 10 hours uh, of intense labor, I would say. And after around five, six hours, they asked me if I want to go into the birth pool. And uh, I was really happy to go into the birth pool. And that was great. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I was so relaxed. I could really sleep and my contractions pretty much stopped. (laughs) And I loved it. I I wanted to stay there. And another thing that happened in that moment is, and I knew it beforehand, a student midwife, she asked me if she could be there. It would be her first birth that she sees. And I told her, yes, you can be there. That's totally fine for me. And she came in quite late, but she was amazing. She was like my doula. So she actually started massaging me and she started touching me, my lower back. And my partner was in front of me and did the techniques with me. And I was almost a bit like in heaven. And that's what we said before. I was like, how stupid was I? Why didn't I get to do that? You know? (laughs) Yeah, there is room and space for both. Right. And I think that's so important. The doula doesn't take over the partner. The partner doesn't take over the doula. There's a space for the nurse and the midwife and the obstetrician. Like there's room for everyone to link arms around the birthing person and help you, you know, and the massages and the hip squeezes are so good. Oh, I just remember mm-hmm. my second birth, like she would squeeze me and I was like, oh, this feels so good. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I make sure I do that on every birth. I do so many hip squeezes. It's unbelievable. And my pecs are just super sore. You're in this birth tub and your partner is just, you know, kind of at your face and coaching you and motivating you and breathing with you. And then the student midwife is touching your body and massaging you and you're in this pool. I mean, it sounds like labor can be wonderful, even though Mm -hmm. it's intense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this was so nice because also I had kind of a contraction break for a while. And that's very often you hear that as well when it comes into the transition, right? And this is also normal. Um, And I wasn't stressed out about it. It was more the midwives who were a bit stressed out about it and they tried to encourage me. And they were also like, very often you hear that, that they're like, touch the head, touch the head of the baby, right? That you go with your hand into your vagina and you're touching the baby's head. And I remember I did that And I put my whole hand in my vagina, even my arm, and I barely could feel some hair. And I was like, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm so far away. And this really (laughs) discouraged me, actually. Yeah. 
she meant really well, right? But yeah. sometimes it doesn't help you because in your head, you're probably always thinking that you're further ahead yeah. than you actually are. And then you're reaching up and up and up and up and up and you're yeah. like, there is nothing to feel really. <laughs> so Arlo is probably like a negative two station, like still, you know, pretty high up there. You had just mentioned that your total labor was then about, my calculations, about 17 hours, which is about spot on. That's correct. But you had also mentioned you got into that birth tub about five or six hours, but hadn't delivered until 10 hours after you got to the birth center. So were you in that birth tub, that hole, for about four or five hours? I think I was in it about for three hours. Three hours, so from the okay. birth center to the pool, it was about four or five hours sideline position yeah. and for four, three hours the birth pool. Yeah. And then they took me out. Okay. They were like, okay, they're not strong enough. Your contractions, you have to come out. I was totally fine with that. And my body wanted to go into the squat position. Mm -hmm. I had a little footstool to help me. Okay. Because otherwise it's very difficult to, with your weight, right? Yeah. To be in the squat position. And then I was pushing for at least one and a half hours. Yeah. Okay. And that was hard work. That was really hard work. So upright, squatting on the stool, you pushed mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I was wondering if you were wanting a water birth in the, in the birth tub or if you were planning to birth out of the tub. It was never, for me, it was beautiful to think about, oh, it would be great to have a water birth. But it was never for me that important. Okay. For me, it was the most important that I can try to give an all natural birth. Okay. Yeah. So you did it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes, you pushed yes. for about an hour and a half. So while you're pushing for an hour and a half, tell me about how your partner was helping you. He was behind me, holding me and encouraging me that I can do that. and pushing with me. He was so much into it that he was pushing with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so hard. Sometimes when my clients are pushing, I find myself like, come on. And I'm like bearing down too. I'm like, this is so funny. <laughs> but if you're really in it with someone, like your partner was in it with you, you start to feel some of the things that they're feeling. You're that connected, you know? So that's really powerful. Did you reach down and catch Arlo or did the midwives or did your partner? They asked me if I, if I want to do that. And that's something that I, I have to say that I regret a bit. I was so exhausted that I was like, no, you have to do it. And you have to help me now. I was really at the point where I was like, that's enough now. I, I can't anymore. And that's the one thing I regret a bit because I would have loved to actually, you know, touch him and take him out. However, you know, that was absolutely okay as it is. Yeah. They helped him coming out and they put him on, on my belly. And we were staying there for 30 minutes, just lying there. The three of us was lying on the floor then. And we didn't even know the sex of the baby. Yeah. And then uh, we lifted him up after 30 minutes and saw that it's boy. Oh, now were you still connected to the placenta or had they cut the cord mm. at some point? No, no, they left it on they for a full hour. On. Oh, wow. Okay. Now did your placenta birth? So it was 
you know, baby umbilical cord placenta out of you or, or was your placenta still inside of you? was still inside for quite a long time. Okay. And then I gave birth to the placenta. Okay. Yeah. Oh, how beautiful. Now in the United States, we, it's like very typical for the partners or the moms to cut the umbilical cord themselves. Is that something that's a ritual in Europe too? Like, did you do that? Yeah, that's a very known ritual okay. here too. The, the I wasn't that. sure if it's, you know, everyone does that all over. So did you it's cut okay. that cord or did your partner cut the cord? My partner, he cut the cord. He cut the cord. So clearly yeah. it had stopped pulsating and it had been an hour. That was a little bit of a long time. Sometimes the placentas release about five to 30 minutes, but can take up to an hour. But mm. it's very important for physiological birthing for the placenta to come on its own. Did you do anything with your placenta, like encapsulate it or plant it in a garden or donate it, anything like that? No, we didn't do anything. Okay. We looked at it and it was amazing and to see that. It. Mm-hmm. I think my partner was pretty shocked, but I found it amazing. <laughs> it is so... Huge piece of meat. <laughs> it is a huge piece of meat. And a lot of times I'll have my clients like put sterile gloves on and kind of look look at it and look at the sac mm-hmm. and the cord and what part was attached to the uterus and then what part, you know, was uh, on the baby side. And then sometimes we'll have the midwives or the obstetricians or, or even myself as the doula, I'll study it if they don't want to hold it and show it to them. I think it's so important if anyone's listening, ask to study your, your placenta. It's very mm. interesting. And you create a whole organ to breed life. I mean, it's so wonderful. At the birth center in Switzerland, do you then stay there or do you just give birth and go home? How, what does that look like? No, you stay actually a whole week there. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and they a help you with breastfeeding. And they also have very limited visits okay. that they allow because they think it's very important that the family is for the first week, just the three of them it is, or the two of them, the yeah. mother and the baby. Yeah. It is so important. I This is just amazing. Here, if you're at the birth center here, you go home four hours later. Oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. And then the midwives, you'll follow up with the midwives, you know, but then you have to leave the house to go to these appointments though. And then if you're at the hospital, you stay 24 hours if everyone's healthy. So they just kind of shuffle, herd everybody out again, money quickly as possible. I've never heard of this. And I'm so glad I interviewed you to learn about, <laughs> about what it could look like in another country. One week of people mm-hmm. pampering you and helping exactly. you. Exactly. And cooking for me, wow. you know, and helping me breastfeeding at three o'clock in the morning because maybe it doesn't work right away or yeah. it was so nice. Yeah. That is so wonderful. Now in Switzerland, is this socialized medicine? Like, is this free for you or was this a big bill? Did it cost a lot of money? No, it goes over your insurance. Insurance. The nice thing is that the insurance pays the hospital as well as the birth center. Okay. It doesn't matter for them. I think this is so wonderful. So how was your postpartum period? It was actually very good, I have to say. Mm-hmm. No, it was actually really, really good. It was a lot of stress with our families, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we as a family, I think we 
we were for a long time still in this bubble of 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 this birth experience yeah and for me this was also so important and so nice to see that from my partner who was like I don't want to be there at birth I don't know what to do I don't know what this is all about to being such an amazing birth partner I was like if we can do that then everybody should have that chance Mm -hmm. so you had taken this course to become a doula And then you had this transformative birthing experience. So tell me about the last three years of being a mom and now building this business. So I'd love to hear just a little bit more about how you took this thing that you're passionate about and how you teach others that are on their journey and their pregnancy, like with their partners. Could you share a little bit about your business and what you do and how you help and serve the birthing community? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Yeah, for me, it was um, important that couples realize if they want to do it together, first of all, right? If couples realize we want to do it together, that this is not working like, oh, birth is unpredictable and we see what happens. I mean, we know birth can be unpredictable. That is very true, but your birth is much more likely to feel positive if you take an active role, I always say, rather than a passive one in especially what happens to you. And I really, I really feel strong about that. And I hear, unfortunately, too many examples, especially, unfortunately, also here in Barcelona, where women are unprepared, their partners are unprepared. And they're looking back and they're not happy with their birth experience. And I would like to make a change when it comes to that. That doesn't mean that you have to be an expert, but you have to have a certain knowledge. You need to know your rights. Loads of couples who come to me, they don't even know that they have rights. If that is just, we know that sometimes there can be a midwife who sends out very negative energy. A woman cannot give birth like that. And you have a right to exchange the midwife. And this is very important to know. And birth partners there again, they come into the game and they realize, oh, I have a voice here. I can actually stand up. I can protect her. And I have a few couples who did it and they felt also empowered. They were like, in the end, I always say it's like, it's your body. Mm-hmm. It's your baby. It's your birth and your choice. It is. It is. So where, again, I know we said it at the beginning, but can you tell us your website just once again so that now if someone's been driving in their home, they could write it down? Yeah, of course. It's a birthprepcourse.com. I love it. Birthprepcourse.com. And then Andrea, how much does your course cost? Mm -hmm. Do you have it in US dollars? Um, I have it in euros. In euros. I mean, How many euros is it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it depends a bit, I have to say. Oh, okay. Because I have loads of couples who want to work with me private. Okay. I have to support over the nine months and also at home. And this is a different price than when I'm having the group. And then the private individual courses, this really depends how much support they need from me. What they are interested in, it's also, I'm also a coach for couples. Okay. 
And this is also some couples that are also really interested. What does it mean for us as a couple with the newborn at home? Mm-hmm. Um, how does it change our relationship? And I think it's an awesome present. Those couples are giving themselves that they're like, okay, we want to be prepared for this, not just only for birth and to always say how to learn to be a team. Mm-hmm. But that starts now during pregnancy. Later on, it's too late if they're trying to get to, to be at the A team, I call it. I have to learn how to be a team now during pregnancy. It will be very, very important for their birth and also how it will be with the newborn at home. It is so important. Andrea, if you if it was just exactly the perfect world, how many weeks pregnant would a parent would the parents be? when they decided to hire you? Yeah, very good question. You know, some some couples, they come to me when they're eight months pregnant. And to be honest, this is a bit late. Okay, It's still possible to do a lot, you know, but again, you need to train. If you're serious, you need to train. And that doesn't mean that you have to do it every day, but every other day for five minutes, you have to do it. And especially towards the end of your pregnancy. But I always say, and I just have a client now in Barcelona and she came to me and she's only, (laughs) she's only six weeks uh, pregnant. And she was like, I feel ashamed, you know, but I'm so excited and I wanted to meet you. And I was like, you know what, this is actually perfect because you have so much time now and there will be so many other things coming your way that you have the time to explore them. And also to, I always say women, they're like, oh, I'm so worried and I shouldn't be worried. And then there are all those courses who are like, oh, how not to be worried for your birth. But I always say, no, you should be worried (laughs) because this is good. This is giving you your answers. And this is how you find your way, what you want and what you don't want, you know? If a couple comes to me and is like, oh, I'm not worried at all, then I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say... In general, the sooner the better when you start. Yeah, sooner the better. And I would agree with that also. Andrea, I would love to hear a story or an example of one of your clients that you've worked with and how you feel like you are changing the birth narrative. Yes. I would like to share with you the story of Anna and Dan. And it's maybe not the most beautiful story you're going to hear, but... It's a very meaningful story for me. And I still get goosebumps when I, when I tell the story. So Anna and Dan, they, they did the course with me. We did their birth plan. We looked for the hospital. They found their technique very fast. They really trained. They really trained. She also, she wanted to have a physiological birth. And then their big day was here. And unfortunately, nothing happened after their birth plan. So the baby didn't descend in the birth canal for one and a half days. They really, really tried. And in the end, they, they couldn't control, as we say, birth. We can't control birth. And she had to have a, an emergency C-section. Then we had a talk afterwards uh, a couple of weeks later. And I was obviously pretty nervous. I was like ready to give them all the support they need. And then when I saw them, they both smiled at me. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> they were like, look, Andrea, we're totally okay. And Anna described it in such a nice way. She was like, look, Andrea, we cannot blame ourselves. First of all, we were really prepared. My partner knew exactly what to do. 
we tried for one and a half days. We realized, okay, we cannot influence it anymore. We tried everything. Now we have to let go. And she said, and even during the emergency C-section, then was just the most beautiful partner I could have ever imagined. He knew what to say. He knew how to hold me. He knew how to protect me and the baby during that time. And she fell head over heels in love with him again. And I was just sitting there and having my mouth open. So if you can say that even though your birth is not the way you expect it to be 100% or not at all, but you can say that you as a couple, you're growing in a very difficult situation together, then that's 100%. And this is why partners are so important that they get involved and that they know that there is a role. Partner support is everything. If you have a partner, I mean, I love that you shared all of these things today. And I know that there are people listening that are going to want to share this episode with their partner so that we can tell them, don't be afraid to Mm -hmm. tell us what your needs are, you know? So I think that's where I'll close, Andrea. I want you to just kind of I don't know, take a deep breath and imagine that there are, you know, 100,000 partners listening to this podcast today. And what do you want to tell them? Oh, yeah, I I have to tell them so much. (laughs) (laughs) I I try to keep it very short, but everybody who's listening, you are so, so, so important. You are so important for us as the mothers who are giving birth, because we trust you, you can protect us, you you can motivate us, you can learn what techniques, you can help her to, you know, go over the contractions, you know, the rights, whatever it is, you, you, it's so important that you are on the same page. And not only during pregnancy, as I said before, or with the birth experience we have it's also for afterwards with a newborn at home or with a second or a third child so if you haven't already hired someone i would love if you would head over to birthprepcourse.com and consider hiring andrea to be your guide and to help grow your partner into a beautiful birth partner that could support you both and grow you both Andrea, I'm so thankful for your birth story and for all of the work that you're doing for all around the world for pregnant persons and mothers. I just think it's such important work. Before I let you go, though, and I'm really excited to hear if it's a product I can find here in the United States, but what is your favorite baby product? So if someone is pregnant right now, what do you recommend that they make sure that they stock in their home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that question. I would definitely say um, skin on skin shirt. Okay. We have a very good brand called in Europe Seraphine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know it? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. And skin on skin is something, it's like the best you can give your newborn. Absolutely the best. And I'm sure you know so much about it, Heidi. I'm a big, big fan of skin on skin. Yes. I, when I was pregnant, I actually had several Seraphine like dresses and shirts. So I will link to that in the show notes. Skin on skin is very important. In my practice, I recommend from data that you and your partner 
are skin to skin with your baby at least, at least four total hours per day for at least the first four months. And um, the data on that is strong and deep and really important. So we'll we'll link to the Seraphine brand in the skin to skin mm-hmm. shirt. So Andrea, thank you so much for being on the Birth Story podcast today. It was wonderful. And I hope everyone will write into you at birthprepcourse.com and let them know or let you know that they found you on the Birth Story podcast. Thank you, Heidi. It was such an honor to be here today and to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 